0: welcome to overcrest i'm chris and i'm jake we have a fun overcrest rewind for you guys today we got some turkey um some cars some interesting (laughs) honda news corvettes are fast tank burnouts and uh die hard I like it. Yeah, I'm so, excited for that. Um, uh, so I've been planning the route a little bit more. I know
1: you have because you send me a new photo of
0: your route planning every couple of days, yeah. and, and
1: it changes wildly.
0: I know. I can't stop just like trying to figure out new ways to try and get to the Arctic Circle <laughs> and and new ways to try and figure out how I'm going to get there. But um, so then after I did that, I posted some other um, other routes that I want to take, just right. like other places I'd like to go. And one of them was <laughs> Australia. Right. And. The amount of response I got from Australians is out of control. I got like, I got 30. 30 or 40 DMs <laughs> from the Australian podcast listeners and you know people that follow me on Instagram. They're like, yeah, you should come here. We'll buy you a it's, we'll buy you a beer. I'll, you can drive my car. You can stay at my house. You can do my wife. It's everything. I mean, they're they're super <laughs> great know, dudes. So like, one. No, but they're like, oh, don't go here, don't do that. And everybody's okay. like, do not go through the middle of Australia. It's not worth it. It's just nothing. And I said, Nothing is exactly <laughs> what I'm looking for. But um I really want to just go to Australia now and meet all these guys that I ever of all the. What would be more realistic is going down there and buying a car and then doing it.
1: Mm, rather than
0: shipping your car. Maybe. Except I don't want to die driving somebody's like rusty Holden in the middle <laughs> of the Outback. It would be too it would definitely <laughs> happen to me that way. But I just thought it was really nice. I've done like you know, kind of like trial maps all over the world, the places I want to go, things I want to do. Yeah. And I guess the guys from like Norway, a couple of those guys messaged me too, but the response I got from Australia was out of control. <laughs> it really makes me want to go, go there. It's uh Maybe we should try and figure something out. There's guys that are like, oh, come do a rally. I'm not going to try and do an Australian accent because it would just be really, really bad. I might. Come do a rally down here. <laughs> they, they wanted, you can box a kangaroo. Oh, they, they wanted me to do, like, do box like a, like a, a down kangaroo. under. Box a kangaroo? Yeah. Why? You want to get smacked or what? They're like three feet taller (laughs) than you are. Yes, I have. They'd kick your ass. (laughs) I know. It'd still be fun. All right, before we get into the news, what have we we got?
1: Yeah, we got to talk about our sponsor, Omaze. So Omaze is a fundraising platform that offers once-in-a-lifetime experiences, including dream-worthy cars. So far, they've already raised $130 million for charities around the world. And right now, Omaze is giving away that fully restored 1968 Bullet Mustang thing from the Gas Monkey Garage. If you tuned in a few weeks ago, we talked to Richard Rawlings' from gas monkey garage and why they built that car and what goes to supporting with the gas monkey garage foundation and it's a really cool car it's a really cool foundation you really should check it out omaze even covers shipping and taxes if you were to uh, to win the car so you really don't have to worry about anything you would spend not a single dime so and again the best part is just other than
0: the party you would throw for yourself when you get the car oh that's, that's true that's extra. Yeah, invite
1: chris and i yeah. to that We'll do burnouts at the party. So, anyways, <laughs> regardless, head over to omaze.com overcrest to check it out. And with a donation of $10, you're entered to win. That's omaze.com slash overcrest. Also, oh. if you if you use the code, Chris, of overcrest50, 50, overcrest50, 50, you get 50 bonus entries.
0: All right. So, this is kind of cool. I'm, I'm kind of like this. I'm not a huge fan of the brand in general, okay. but um, a manufacturer is finally showing just a just a flash of reason in okay. in what they think is happening in the future everything seems to be this rabid out of control um feeding at the trough of uh climate change electric cars everything like that it's just out of control in my opinion okay well uh, yeah
1: I, I would say that everyone is racing towards electrification almost
0: with blinders on yep. like they're I would just agree. they're just Running, it's like lemmings. You know, they're just all running (laughs) off the cliff. Okay, so you're telling
1: me someone is not.
0: Honda has now claimed EV is a mistake. Maybe not a mistake, but it's not the route that they are necessarily going to take. Okay. Quote, the objective is not electrification per se, but improving fuel efficiency, said CEO of Honda, Takahiro Hachigo. He also said, and quote, We believe hybrid vehicles are the way to abide by different environmental regulations. When Ann, I don't know what Automotive News, I don't know who that is, asked Hachigo about all-electric vehicles, he said he wasn't sure there are any buyers who actually want an EV, given the (laughs) infrastructure and hardware challenges. He said he doesn't expect this change to change in the near future. Quote, I do not believe there will be a dramatic increase in demand for battery vehicles, and I believe this situation is true globally. There are different regulations in different countries, and we have to abide by them. So it must be to continue research and development. But I don't believe it will become mainstream anytime soon. Wow. So I've kind of been saying this. I don't understand how the general populace adapts to such a drastic shift. No. When the infrastructure just isn't there. Right. So it, when it comes to autonomous, he says, our plan is to cascade Honda sensing. I guess that's their their autonomous sure. situation. Sure. Uh, Down to mass market models such as the Civic and Accord. Instead of going for a setup that requires expensive radars or LIDARs, we would like to develop these functions in an affordable price range. When it comes to Level 3, you will need a more expensive ADAS system to realize this. We will be cautious in trying to identify what vehicle model will be optimal for this. So I don't have any timeline or any vehicles decided for Level 3 autonomous driving. So they're taking a really, really conservative approach to all of this. Finally. Finally, someone is is being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hit the brakes. Yeah,
1: this isn't realistic.
0: What's going on? Maybe he saw those Teslas lined up after Thanksgiving (laughs) waiting for hours (laughs) and hours and hours. And the infrastructure just isn't there. Now, this is in sharp contrast to Volkswagen. That's right. right.
1: They basically said they're not making gas engines anymore after this existing lineup.
0: They are are all in. Yep. I mean, they are pushing all the chips to the middle of the table and they don't necessarily know what anybody else's cards are held except for Honda now kind of out of them. I mean, that's... Honda coming out and saying this is kind of like, we think you're doing the wrong thing. Right. Which is kind of it a would call be great out.
1: if other manufacturers were taking notice and saying, oh, may, maybe they're right. Maybe we were just blindly
0: going in. Well, every manufacturer is so in right, so deep in right now, sure. it doesn't really matter. I'll talk about that now. Volkswagen AG will ramp up spending on electric vehicles, automated driving, and other new technology by 36% as the world's largest automaker challenges rivals to keep pace with an aggressive shift into the post-combustion era. Post-combustion era. That's, yeah, that sounds wow, very dystopian, doesn't it? Yeah. The new 5-year budget for investment in hybridization, electric mobility and digitalization totals 66 billion dollars. Wow. Compared with just $44 billion uh, previously. The Wolfsburg-based manufacturer said on Friday, this spending amounts to $12 billion a year. In just electrification. In autonomous research, everything. In just in Volkswagen. That's just Volkswagen. That's not worldwide
1: well, every manufacturer.
0: that's no, no, only wow. Volkswagen. They say, we are resolutely pressing ahead with the transformation of the Volkswagen Group and focusing our investments on the future of mobility. Chairman Hans-Dieter Putsch said in a statement after the supervis- Supervisory Board approved the plan. Okay. Through 2029, Volkswagen plans to introduce as many as 75 all-electric models, up from a previous forecast of about 70. The company now expects to produce about 26 million EV vehicles over the next 10 years, compared with the earlier target of 22 million. Wow. So that's up like 20, like 18% or something like that. These are two distinct philosophies on EV and the future of cars. This is the first time we've seen any manufacturer show a willingness to do something different. And I think it's a really bold move by Honda. And when we had our, our friend, Matt Gilson, who's our resident electrical engineer right. on the podcast, he's like, I just don't understand why we just don't do hybrids. Right. Right. We, so we can just be as efficient as possible, but exactly. keep the infrastructure that we have. Yeah. That every- makes so much more sense. But everybody wants to make this hard black and white shift. away from fossil fuels because you know fossil fuels have been demonized for so long even though it's just cows farting i went on a huge rant the other day i'm (laughs) not going to do it again
1: i'll say what i said last week
0: what is the most
1: environmentally friendly vehicle you can have
0: a c43 amg no yes because i own it (laughs) okay yes you made my point it's the vehicle you already own that's right so but here's the here's the catch um Volkswagen thinks it has a solution for parking structures and parking lots without electric vehicle chargers built in. You can see this in action in the illustrations above. Now, I want you to click on that link and look at the illustration. Tell me what you see. Can't wait. Um, oh my. (laughs) It's little R2-D2s
1: roaming around a parking garage, (laughs) plugging themselves into your car.
0: The autonomous robots are yet another vision of what our hypothetical uh, automated uh, electric vehicle infrastructure oh of the future could okay. look like. So
1: hold on, let me tell you all the problems with this. Okay, so it makes. sense. Let me because, finish, and then we're gonna. No, t- no, no, we, no, 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 no. You want to go straight I'm going to the problem? Straight into this. Okay. Right. So basically, they're saying, okay, you can't have a charging outlet in every single space in a parking garage. Right. That's just ridiculous. So instead, we're gonna have this fleet of little robots that go around and just plug into your car for you. Okay, but now you're gonna have another thing that needs to be charged. It's gonna and be is like- <laughs> using energy in order to charge your vehicle. That it's so inefficient right because yeah, they, you have to charge this thing you have all this technology in this thing these things aren't cheap by themselves oh i'm sure Can you imagine not. what this thing costs it has a face on it It has little <laughs> eyeballs i'm just gonna, gonna wait you. for
0: somebody to draw like the little cord that goes into the car right wait this to just dropping penis on it so it just <laughs> has to like insert itself in your no, car you over know what, what i was thinking they're gonna get it, painted up and graffitied and everything else what if it
1: tries to plug its electrical charger into like an old school gasoline filler nozzle and blows up the there's, entire parking structure.
0: There's no possible way this is a reasonable solution. <laughs> it's so going to cause traffic jams in parking garages. Cuz you're going to have R2D2s going by and you have to <laughs> stop for them. So the mobile charging robot will spark a revolution when it comes to charging (laughs) in different parking facilities as multi-store cars. A revolution as humans destroy the robots. Well, I'm imagining they're also going to be on the street on parking meters, like going up and down the sidewalk, getting in your way, knocking over old ladies. (laughs) (laughs) This is so dumb. And so this is Volkswagen. This is Volkswagen. their, Their thought. This is their idea. And you know what this shows? Desperation. Yeah, it does have a little bit of a stench of desperation to it because it is such a ridiculous idea. They've put how much money do you think of that forty-four billion or what sixty billion dollars is put into the developing stupid robots? It's basically a Roomba to charge your car. Yes, what's going to be the first cat video of a cat riding on top of <laughs> one of these things as it's charging cars?
1: <laughs> You're right, though. It is kind of desperation because they're saying, okay, we're realizing there's a huge problem, a huge shortcoming here. If every single car out there needs to to be charged
0: so right now we have in most cities other than new york which they were just banned. you have e-scooters laying all over the place <laughs> yep. okay and now you're gonna have these little r2d2 things <laughs> driving around how are they gonna navigate the city how are they gonna navigate the right. parking garage every parking garage is different they're gonna get stolen or smashed or it's this is a completely how many accidents will there
1: be where you just
0: crash into these things every time i see one <laughs> <laughs> all right so i want to tell you guys about a giveaway that we're going to do yeah i have in my hands two copies of triple zero magazine right and what which i was a super
1: high-end porsche magazine yeah it's great quarterly coffee table book
0: yeah it's 200 and some pages with no ads all editorials well there's some ads but not very many and all editorial stuff a beautiful t- photography great writing um, we're going to give away two of these this month to two lucky winners. All you need to do is go on Instagram, make a post, and explain to people why you love the Overcrest podcast and use hashtag Overcrest000, and at the end of the month, we're going to do a drawing, and we're going to give a couple of these away. Awesome. And we'll see if we can do it next month as well. So we're going to give some stuff away, and uh, you can win them. They'll be yours. Yeah. Some good... Uh, good. You know, nice thing about these is most articles are of multiple trips to the toilet. You can't <laughs> use... They're good, and you can't finish them all in one sit-down. Yeah. All right, so uh, this Tesla Cybertruck is too unsafe for Europe. Oh, really? So did you listen to the news episode that Feder and I did? Yeah, I did. We talked about this a little bit, and now it is... Come to light that it is true. It has been prophesized, <laughs> quoted by Automobile Wachsche, whatever that is.
1: That's uh, Automobile Week in German.
0: Great. German authorities state that the vehicle structure is too rigid and therefore does not provide occupants with the mandatory safety. <laughs> right. Furthermore, the rigid body panels are a nightmare when it comes to pedestrian protection, as the front bumper and bottom of a car needs to deform in order to absorb the forces in the event of an accident. Basically, if you get hit by a Cybertruck, you're going to just be cracked open like a melon. Yep. It fell off a building. According to Stefan Teller, a TUV expert, the Cybertruck needs, quote, strong modifications to the basic structure as, quote, the occupants feel safe, but they're not. So if someone tries to attack you with a sledgehammer... You're fine. Right. But if you actually run into another car, there's no crumple zones. There. Right. So you're just going to stop and be well, turned to mush. You're not going to stop. The car will. The problem is, is that you are going to keep well, going.
1: No, you're going to also stop immediately, which is what a crumple zone is supposed to do is slowly... right?
0: relatively slowly. Well, it's supposed to, it's supposed to give a, the transition. It, the, the thing that kills you in a car is the G-forces, right? <laughs> <laughs> going fast doesn't kill you. It's the sudden stop. Yep, that's Jeremy Clarkson, I think. Um, anyway, so nothing is deformed in the event of an impact. Instead, enormous forces act on the occupants. Airbags right. no longer help. You're just going to basically blow up the airbag with your body that's accelerated to 50 you know, G's immediately as soon as you right. run into a dump truck. As a result, <laughs> it will not be possible to sell it as a mass production vehicle in Germany based on type approval.
1: Well, do we really even know anything about this truck right now?
0: No. Right. We know that you can hit the door with a sledgehammer. They're
1: just saying like, okay, if it's as advertised where it's just super rigid, it won't work.
0: It will not. And I, you know, there's no bumpers. There's got to be some sort of, uh, you have to have some sort of impact protection. Yeah. The five mile an hour bumper law. That doesn't exist on these things. So we'll see where things go there. So have you put a diehard battery in your car before? I remember the brand. I don't know if I have. It's the Sears brand. It's the most recognizable car battery brand ever. So if you were going to think of a car battery brand, it would probably be a diehard battery. They've been around forever. They were sold at Sears. But now that Sears is going under, I feel like the reason I'm bringing this up, I think this is like the last gasp for Sears. I think this is it. I think it's over. They sold their battery company to Advance Auto Parts and gave them all rights to manufacture and do whatever they want with the name.
1: I just really want Bruce Willis to be selling me Die Hard batteries.
0: Did you think that's what we were going to talk about? I did, I'm yeah. sorry to yeah. disappoint you. But before, this was a dumb mood by Sears. They made a plan okay. to sell batteries through Amazon. Okay. Which doesn't really work because they're very expensive because they're very heavy. Right. Shipping would be a nightmare. You know, Amazon Prime kind of lies to you a little bit by including the shipping costs in the thing that you're buying Yeah, you know Amazon Prime you're yeah, like oh it's $29 ship today but it's actually $20 and then it's $9 in shipping or something whatever. like that yeah, something like I that. actually
1: don't understand the logistics of that
0: because it still doesn't add up it's, vo- it's volume it's pure volume they yeah, make like it's 5 cents here basically. 10 cents here a dollar here I mean it's, it's crazy he- just volume, purely volume. Um, but batteries were very expensive to ship. Two days, Amazon Prime. So that didn't work. So they went under, and now that's Advanced Auto Parts is going to be selling diehard well, batteries.
1: Sold off their Craftsman tool line as well.
0: Yeah, that went. That's everywhere. You can get them at Lowe's. You can get them yep. at. I think I saw it at Menards. You can get. You're right. Yeah. I just saw them at Menards. So that's. I mean, I don't know. Can you go into Menards now with my old Craftsman tools and say, Hey, this thing broke again. Can I have a new I one? I would hope so. I don't know if that's. That was gonna... the whole point of Craftsman. Yeah, I'm not sure. So. Um, all right, moving on. California. You know it's going to be bad news when I go <laughs> <laughs> California. California might be requiring ride-sharing vehicles to be electric. Now, this boils down wow. to Los Angeles. Now, this is a big deal. So any for, Uber, any, uh, any Lyft, any yep. of this stuff. Um, so they just made it so you are not a contractor anymore. You're actually an employee. Oh, really? They changed that, yeah. So California is really messing with these people. Um, (laughs) Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti on Friday said that he was considering instituting a requirement that would force rideshare services to use electric vehicles. Quote, we have the power to regulate car share, (laughs) (laughs) unquote. California in a nutshell, we have the power to regulate, (laughs) period. We can mandate and are looking closely at mandating that any of those vehicles in the future be electric. The measure would be a part of Ellie's effort to slash its greenhouse gas emissions and reach carbon neutral status by 2050, which will have no impact whatsoever on the world global temperature. Although there's a lot of smog there and the air quality is not very good. So I can kind of understand that perspective, but that's just because there's 500 billion people living there. Right. Quote, I think there's going to be more asks like this from cities and states, especially when it comes to California, which has two of its top five cities worldwide. It speaks to a trend that the regulatory environment and Uber's relationships with cities and states are starting to get uncomfortably complex. My. Why? Why? What is complex about going and picking someone up in your car, them giving you money, and you dropping them off somewhere? What the, is complex the problem, about this? What is complex? Why is it complex? Please tell me.
1: It's complex because they thought this would be in lieu of and take more cars off the street and it just adds more traffic.
0: The same amount of people still have to get from A to B. Right. And the most efficient way to do that is in a car. Right. So unless you make teleportation possible, this is how it's going to be done. Why do we need to make this more complex by adding – by saying it all needs to be electric? There's a huge problem with this.
1: Yeah. Because um, you're basically forcing anyone – because who usually – let's be honest. Who usually does – these kind of gig
0: level economy I, look, jobs. I just want to read one, read a little bit from another article okay. and then we're going to get right to that. Stuff. Okay. Um, I started looking at this and another article popped up by the apparently out of touch journalist, Brad Templeton. It's about why isn't your Uber electric? And I'm just imagining him writing this with his hands <laughs> on his sides. He says the operating and maintenance costs for electric cars are now clearly showing to be quite a bit lower than for gasoline cars, even very efficient gasoline cars like hybrid Toyota Prius. Even so, it's quite rare to summon a TNC and get an electric car. Why is that? A TNC? I don't even know what that is. thats is. has got to be some sort of ride-sharing acronym. Aconym. This is... Jake why do people drive for Lyft or Uber? <laughs>
1: Were you getting to what my point was going
0: to be? Yes, I have a so lot of points to make I, right now.
1: Yeah. And you, you hate to generalize too much, but generally... It's okay. We if can, you gener- we can are, generalize. If you're working in the gig economy, as it's called, you generally don't have a full-time job or you're trying to supplement your
0: income because you need more money. It means you are not an independently wealthy person. Nobody out there driving right. an Uber is doing it for fun. If they're doing it to put food on the table. They're to save money for their kids' college right. or whatever. The, maybe they're saving for a vacation. Who knows? Whatever the case may be, these are not a people with a lot of money. Right. And most of the Ubers well, that boy. you see are Camrys or Corollas or Kia Sorentos or whatever. They're all kind of cheaper cars. Yeah. They're newer because they have to be, but yes. they're all kind of cheaper. Um, so which one of these people can afford to buy an electric car? Right. Zero. And then somebody, I talked to someone else about this. Like, oh, well, they can just buy a used Nissan Leaf. Yeah, okay.
1: But then your efficiency of driving and the money you're going to make is so much lower because you have to stop and plug it in for you a hour. You have 150
0: hour. miles of range. A half an hour? <laughs> it takes 12 hours to charge an oh, Nissan Leaf. So you're going to get 100, 150 miles, you know, driving people around and then you're done. Yep. A lot of these people drive 10 or 12 hours a day, all day, just pounding on the miles. And just imagine, let's say that you could get a bunch of range and then you have to be in that area where that Tesla station is all clogged up and, char- and yeah, you, have you have to, to wait, wait forever, this guy's going to go there and all he's going to be seeing is the money signs going down the toilet as he exactly. sits in line for an hour and a half waiting. It's absolutely ridiculous. Not to mention, even if someone was able to get a used Nissan Leaf, what kind of people are doing this is people that are trying to support their families. And you know what is not a good family car? Like a <laughs> Nissan Leaf or a Volt or a Bolt or any of these cars are not good cars to just operate a family when you're not doing your ride-sharing stuff. Yeah, I agree. I just I don't, I don't understand. Seems a little out of touch. I don't understand why. Why are we voting people into office that are constantly screwing with us? It seems like all these great ideas always end up coming down and hurting the middle class and the lower class. It's just every single time that these grand ideas come up, they're always hurting people for the sake of what? Less smog. We're gonna we're gonna make people so they have to you know. I I don't, I don't understand. Know how to they're gonna that. make they're gonna make less money. Uber is not gonna be able to operate in this environment, and then this is gonna go away, and these people are gonna lose their, their third job that they have to help support their family. Right. I j I don't understand. I don't understand why people are doing this. It makes no sense to me. Stop voting for these people. Stop it. Just stop. <laughs> and that concludes Chris's political corner. All right. Remember that long tail McLaren thing? <laughs> not really. <laughs> me, either. <laughs> me either. So there's a, a McLaren speed tail prototype xp2 okay and this is a basically it's a it's it's like a several meters longer than a, <laughs> than a regular um i'll read what mclaren ceo mike fluid says the Speedtail is a truly extraordinary car that epitomizes mclaren's pioneering spirit and perfectly illustrates our determination to continue to set new benchmarks for supercar and hypercar performance now if looking any further what is the f- highest speed mclaren out there
1: is other it, than this the one
0: Senna, right Incorrect. It is still the McLaren F1. Really? At 240 miles an hour. Still held the record until this car came out as the fastest McLaren ever. At its unveiling in 2018, McLaren said the Speedtail will be a true driver's car. It has been designed as a hyper GT and is said to balance a mature, (laughs) stiff ride with comfort and speed, which is what I think I would want in a wife, don't you? (laughs) 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 <laughs> the McLaren Speedtail is limited to just 106 units. It's sold out, so you can't buy one, even though it's 2.2 or two. two I'm going to just say the number in the long form. Okay. $2,289,000 for one of these things. Wow. It's the fastest, fastest McLaren ever. Um, this one did 30 passes at 250 miles per hour at the Kennedy Space Center. So, wow. this thing has a carbon fiber body that features active arrow, which is, you know, the, the. It moves. It moves. The arrow can, you know, yeah. if, as you get top speed or if you start to brake, they kind of move around a little bit. It's got a teardrop cabin design and a central driving position, which is a great throwback to the original McLaren 1. We don't know much about the engine. Uh, it's a twin turbocharged four liter V8 along with uh, electric motors. It's good for around 1,000 horsepower. And the peak torque output is rated at one thousand one hundred fifty newton meters, which translates to eight hundred and forty eight freedom torques. Freedom torques. Yes, freedom torques. Oh, okay, I it didn't goes, know that. It goes to zero to one hundred and eighty in twelve point eight seconds.
1: See, that doesn't even like. Mean what does that mean? It's, me. it's, who exactly. cares?
0: It doesn't doesn't matter. Take this thing to the Nurburgring. Show me what it can do. How <laughs> how is this thing gonna handle on the carousel, which is notoriously awful to drive on? It's really bumpy. Right. This thing's gonna. F- Well, it's comfortable but stiff, Chris. It's true. Uh, It weighs uh, 3,100 pounds, 3,150, which is quite heavy. But I guess in the world of today with hypercars and all the batteries and everything else, it's actually not so bad. No. The battery pack employed on the Speedtail has a power density, so I've never heard this term before. Power density? And I'm wondering if we're going to start hearing it more. It has a power density of 5.2 kilowatts per kilogram. Interesting. So, we're going to start having kilowatts per kilogram as a measure of power.
1: Because I know you can we measure have
0: horse- gasoline in power density as well. Sure, but you generally you do a power to weight ratio. Sure. So, you just do, well, it's got, you know, 100 horsepower per liter or whatever the case may be or 75 horsepower per liter. I guess BMW a- was always known for having more than 100 horsepower per liter in right. some of their cars, which was really cool for a naturally aspirated For a naturally aspirated sure. engine. Um so the battery is continuously self-charged when the car is being driven, which is normal. Um however, a wireless charging pad comes as standard that maintains the battery status when the vehicle is not running. So you have to park over this pad. Didn't I talk about this like a year and a half ago? That we should ha- they could have like a like a pad. It's like, you can... so
1: inefficient though.
0: How often are you driving this thing? <laughs> Let's be honest. That, that yeah,
1: pad so, but is. But we're talking about inductive charging, right? And inductive charging is very inefficient. So compared I have a, to plug- I have a
0: question. It. If you let's say you pull this thing out of the garage, uh-huh. and your wife goes out to grab something out of the garage, or uh-huh. maybe it's wintertime and she's going to carry all the summer clothes and put them on the shelf. If she walks over the, the inductive pad, does she get microwaved? Is no. This- it's it
1: use. It depends if she has a big like ring around her waist or something. Like if she had a big metal belt, then she Ooh. might get tugged down like magnetically. Because induction is just, it's basically magnetic loops. I think someone's going to get microwaved. <laughs> Obviously. Okay, <laughs> sure. That's Where what do you take happen. a car like this?
0: Where do you take it? Hold on. Here's a better thing. Is her iPhone going to charge as she walks over it? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's going to start buzzing when she goes, what if you need it? Can you, if you put your iPhone on it, does it explode? Yeah. It <laughs> supercharged. Jake, I have great news for you. What's that? That you won't care about because you don't play video games. Right. The Fast and the Furious is becoming a terrible video game in 2020.
1: Of course it is.
0: Get ready to celebrate, Fast and Furious fans. Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, and Tyrese Gibson are coming to consoles in a new video game. And I'm guessing it's <laughs> a, so a 3D version of Paul Walker. I'm guessing it's probably going to make it as well. Rodriguez and Diesel took the stage during a recent Game Award night and announced Fast and the Furious Crossroads, set to be a video game for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. The game will feature the three movie stars, although it's unknown more characters for the movie will appear in the game. The trailer looks like one for the movies with explosions, car chases, street racing, drama, and of course, realistic stunts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sure. Was, unrealistic stunts. <laughs> yeah. It's clear driving will be involved and it's likely a mission-based game, blah, blah, blah. So for video game fans, all your dreams can come true. You can play as Vin Diesel in <laughs> oh, a video. game. This game is going to be free on Xbox Game Pass in like minutes after it's released, I'm going to guess. You don't even know sure. what Xbox Game Pass no. is, to you? Well, a lot of people do. Uh, Turkey, the country, yes. not the, not not the, the bird, has built a car. Okay. Their first indigenous vehicle. Is, is called, that the term?
1: That's, indigenous that's vehicle. That's what it said
0: is indigenous vehicle, which okay. I think is kind of cool. It's yeah, their like first it. indigenous vehicle. They've invested $3 billion in it. Wow. Today, we are witnessing a historic day, the fruition of Turkey's 60-year-long dream. Erdogan, who's the president of Turkey, said in his speech at the unveiling ceremony at the Gebs Information Technologies Valley, which also opened Friday. Quote, Turkey is several steps ahead of others by entering the electric automobile sector. We are not manufacturing cars for our needs alone. We are looking forward to establishing a global brand. We do not need to purchase a license or permission from anyone. We determine all the technical features ourselves. So why, why doesn't he need... There's a point to this. Why does okay. he need to purchase anything from anyone? What is so interesting about this? It's so easy to make a car now. Oh, it's so simple to put electric motors You're and si- batteries I in a car. It is so simple to do it. Before you had to have. ECUs and entire engine harnesses and emissions control. Well, even and just building an engine was very difficult. From scratch, you had to yes. design it. You had to have a foundry that was going to make it for you. You had to have third-party suppliers. That's why a lot of manufacturers
1: just used engine
0: builders like BMW and Toyota yeah. to put in their cars. And Mazda and Ford have done sharing platforms exactly. because it's so expensive. to get. But guess what's not expensive? A bunch of copper wires that spin. It's yeah. not, it's not. Is that all it is? That's all it is. Okay. That's all it is. Just like the uh, the numbers on a stick, which you're going to hear about <laughs> on Friday. You're gonna, you guys are going to love that. Uh, the president also emphasized that the automobile will not pollute the environment thanks to zero emission technology. Except for production. Great. Erdogan said some mi- 1 million square meters of a 4 million square meter parcel of land in Bursa, Gemlik district, which currently belongs to the Turkish Armed Forces, will be allocated for the factory. So this is a huge government boondoggle, yeah. like a huge push by the Turkish government. The fully electric SUV, of course, it's an SUV, will come in two different engine configurations, 200 horsepower or 400 horsepower. Do you want some or do you want a lot? Which, which would you prefer? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, Turkey's Automobile Joint Venture Group CEO Gerson Karakas announced during the presentation, the 400 horsepower one will do 0 to 60 in 4.8 seconds. Of Great, so fast! and blow my nine eleven out of the wire, This Turkish SUV it is ridiculous. It will have a range of up to five hundred kilometers, which is three hundred miles, and it's locally produced. Lithium ion battery will reach eighty percent charge under thirty minutes. That's do have, good. Do they have a uh, lithium, lithium reserves in there, Turkey? I have no idea because that would make it even easier. Yeah. So here's the thing: they say in the, earlier in this article they talked about the sixty year history of Turkish cars. So I uh, I contracted Jake to go and find out <laughs> more about the history of as Turkish cars. I like to do. So,
1: right, this isn't actually the first attempt Turkey has made to produce a fully homegrown car or indigenous vehicle, as you have said. Uh, so on June 16th, 1961, the then president of Turkey, Samal Gürsel, unveiled his mission to develop an automobile that would meet the needs of both the Turkish military and civilian markets. A team was commissioned, and the car was designed and manufactured in a super short time frame, but not without some difficulties that were encountered during the design of the engine and gearbox, which kind of goes to your point, those are very hard to build from scratch. Exactly. So despite these technical difficulties, the concept car was showcased on October 29th, 1961, coinciding with the 38th anniversary of the country the car was dubbed the devrim which translates to the revolution now i like that I can four get... yeah four production cars were manufactured and were sent via train to the city of ankara there president Gersel test drove the cars in front of waiting press so you can imagine that he's out there he's getting ready to jump in one of these cars he's smiling he's waving However, in accordance with railway laws, the vehicles were not able to be shipped with much fuel in the tank. So while the president of Turkey was smiling for all the cameras driving around in this new car, it ran out of gas. <laughs> so you no! know, the, the first guy, the first test drive. And it's exotic. the president in front of all the media. <laughs> so this was only the first of many snafus and terrible press that ultimately killed wonder the ultimate I wonder what happened to the guy that didn't put the gas in the car. Before it even got... Off the ground. Probably nothing good. No, I can't imagine. (laughs) No. So, while that was the failed attempt of a Turkish car fully designed and produced in the country, that didn't mean there were a few attempts at Turkish market only vehicles. And to get a first hand account of this, I wanted to hear from my good friend
0: yelchin who grew up in Turkey. All right, let's give him a call. Live call. We're going to do this right now. We're going to have a call. See, see (laughs) See if he answers.
1: Hello. Yelchin, you are here with Hi. Chris and
0: Jake, live on Overcross. What's up, man?
2: Hey, good. How are you doing?
0: Very good. It's good to have you as our official Turkish representative.
2: <laughs> so, I feel honored.
1: <laughs> I uh, was just telling Chris how, uh, basically, Turkey had their own uh, Turkish market-only vehicles that were kind of uh, co branded or basically joint ventures between Turkish manufacturers and I think you mentioned Fiat and also Renault?
2: Uh, uh, Fiat and the other one is Ford. Uh, Renault came later. It, it was in the late 60s first. Uh, there was a joint venture between Ford and a Turkish company and then uh, I think in the early 70s it was Fiat with another Turkish company.
1: Okay, now were these quality vehicles?
2: Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, mean, I remember the fourth yeah the fourth one was horrible so it was made uh, made out of fiberglass okay uh, and uh the joke on the street was that if you leave it out uh ghosts will come and eat the hood of the uh, wico so <laughs> people were they they covered up their wicos back then so they literally
1: thought the cows were gonna eat the hoods
2: <laughs> yes uh, i don't think that was really all like, probably urban legend but uh, it was very low-quality vehicle, but it was the first one uh, produced in Turkey. And then the, the one with Fiat was a little higher quality. They actually copied uh, a Fiat model one-to-one uh, and produced it in Turkey.
0: What was the story on that car? What was that car like?
2: Uh, that was a tiny, small car. Pretty fast, actually. It lasted for, I would say, almost like 20 years. Uh, they kept producing the same model, and then they upgraded to uh, a bigger Sedan, and that was, actually they still has a cult following. It was a, uh, it wasn't a, a high quality car, but it was a very fast uh, Sedan. Uh, again, Fiat's are usually fast, I guess. Uh, and uh, that, that still has a cult following. People, usually it's the younger generation, a little on the undereducated side, they they want to drive aggressively and I guess express their anger to some extent. Or they cut <laughs> you off. If they cut you off, you don't mess with them because they're trouble usually. But uh, they're still on the streets. They're. I mean, the last one was produced probably in the eighties, early eighties. But they're still on the streets. So
0: this is basically the Turkish Lada. Is that kind of what I'm gathering? Was, was this kind of like? Uh, yes,
2: a- yes, to some extent. I mean, a little better than that, but yes, I think it's very similar.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you, Yelchin. I just wanted to hear from you about that. Appreciate the insight,
0: man.
2: Of course. You're very welcome. Alright, take care. Bye, right, guys. Keep up the good work.
0: Thank you. Bye. Well, hopefully their uh, their new venture goes better than the original one. And but cows
1: don't eat the hoods <laughs> off of them. <laughs> I thought he said
0: goats. I thought he's uh, he's either said goat. Cows or goats. Well, I some that. Bovine animal eats the cars because they're just that bad. Uh, so what's kind of cool though that the guys still drive those cars. It's kind of apparently. It's like the the Yugo a, that I bought. It sounds like a counterculture thing, right? Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm yeah. sure it is. Well, if your guys are going to make us do this and the public transportation that and the electric cars this, we're just going to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we do have a little bit. Of Buster Conrad, he has—he's uh, giving us a call in to let us know about uh, Elon Musk and how his Christmas went. Oh, so really? let's uh, let's take a listen and see what
3: Buster dug up. Hi, Chris and Jake. Today I'm attending the Evangelical Elonese Church Muskmas service that takes place in the bushes outside the Tesla factory in Fremont, California. Alternating red and green Model Xs are plugged into the supercharging stations, performing their festive door dance light shows in perfect synchronization. I first found out about this holiday when I was picking up Chris's Elon Musk prayer candle from a booth run by Marshall Applewhite, who was kind enough to invite me here. Nice Nikes, Marshall. Could you tell our listeners more about how you and your followers celebrate the holidays? Absolutely. Every year at dusk on Muskmas Day, we arrange our cars into a large pentagram around the first supercharger station located in the parking lot of the Tesla factory with the SUVs forming a large circle on the outside. We pray to the ghost of Nikola Tesla that will grant factory workers the strength and swiftness not to fall behind on production. We gaze upon the window of Elon Musk's office, and if he gets up from his couch and waves, the prophecy states that Model 3 quotas will be reached this year. This year has something new and in store for our followers eight of our most blessed followers will line up outside the factory gate where the cyber truck was spotted earlier today one for each of the tesla models past present and future dressed as parking signs they are hoping to be blessed with a tire mark from the Cybertruck driven by our lord and savior elon musk you guys must really like your cars that's dedication what makes them so special to you what people don't understand that a Tesla is not just a car, it's a way of life. Elon has blessed us with an escape pod from choking the planet to death with internal combustion emissions. These are vehicles to a better way of living, and eventually we will make converts out of the entire planet. We absolutely must do this if we want to save the earth. It's a modern day's Noah's Ark. Either kill you're him. <laughs> on board or you drown. If the non-believers win and the planet dies, Lord Elon is preparing an escape to Mars for his faithful flock of followers. Would you like to stay for dinner and punch later? I'd love to tell you more about our plans. I might take you up on that, but I'd like to mingle amongst the flock a bit more. Run,
0: Buster, Thank you.
3: Guys, don't worry, I'm not going to go drink that. That uh, that looks a little bit dodgy. Uh, Hello, friend, I've noticed you built a shrine next to your tent. Could you tell me more about it? Oh, that. That's just my recycling pile i've been living here for a month waiting for the model three i put a deposit down a year ago (laughs) at first i was hopeful then i felt let down i joined with this bunch of yahoo's for a while hoping that would grant me a favorable position on the wait list after almost a year without my model three I got angry and I came to the factory to offer help build cars and tents. I was given a job application but was denied due to psychological red flags, whatever that <laughs> means. I won't be denied my Model 3. Elon has noticed me though, I'm the reason the Cybertruck is made from bulletproof materials after I took <laughs> a few pot shots at the office windows after a full bottle of Thunderbird one night. By the way, have you met my friend Wilson? Uh, is uh, is, is Wilson what you've named, that volleyball over there? (laughs) No, that's just a volleyball. Hey, Wilson, come over here and say hi to this reporter. Do you know him? You know, Wilson's a reporter like you. Well, I'm a photographer, but close enough. Are you here to snag a photo of Elon running over these nutbags as well? If you are, get your own spot. This one's mine. It's got prime access to the gate, office, and dumpsters. No, sir. I work in the mainstream media of automotive podcasting. You may have heard of my organization, Overcrest. You get anything good today? Yeah, no. Elon's just been laying on the floor of the conference room all afternoon getting baked. Slow day. It looks like my grandma isn't the only one baking today. On that note, Merry Muskmas and Happy Holidays to all. Back to you in the studio. (laughs)
0: <laughs> mary. i always wondered what it would be like to get inside the true cult of elon musk mary musk miss uh buster yeah that was awesome so on that note we're gonna go Um, uh, we're gonna be back on friday that's right with ramsey potts yes who is a specialist At R.M. Sotheby's. And it's is—it's one of my favorite interviews we've done. It's a lot of fun. I learned a lot about buying and selling. And uh, he's got some great stories to tell as well. So I hope you guys will come around on Friday to check that out. Make sure you go on to Patreon.com slash Overcrest. Support the show. Leave us a five-star review. Don't be a jerk. Do it. (laughs) Uh, We'd really appreciate it. Other than that, we will see you guys on Friday. Take care. Bye-bye.